You're listening to the Third Down Squad Podcast, the best international news podcast for the National Football League. We're your hosts, Derek, Josh, and Toby. Let's get you ready for new set downs on Sunday. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Third Down Squad Podcast. It is now officially playoff time in the NFL. As you can tell, we are very excited. I'm very excited, especially since all of our teams are in the playoffs this year, which is something we couldn't really say at the beginning of the year, at least on Josh and I's side. But anyway, as always, I'm Derek on the left. That's Josh in the middle. Toby's on the right. And we're going to do our last regular season recap. Uh, This week had some very interesting games, a couple of games that decided some spots in the playoffs this week. Uh, Josh, I'm going to start with you because you apparently had something interesting to say about the game at Lambeau Field. Yeah. um, How do the Packers get blanked at Lambeau Field by the Lions of all teams? I mean, come on. Come on. What what was that all about? I mean, really, it's they're the Lions. They are just a mediocre team that has their times. That you're the Packers at Lambeau. You're unbeatable at Lambeau. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Why? I mean hey, hey, Well, I, I give you one name. Dijon Kaiser. Uh, yeah. Oh, it. yeah. That's, and and that's besides, crazy. the great thing was was Pat McAfee announcing that game. When that kicker threw that touchdown, oh, that was priceless to listen to. That was priceless. Oh, yeah. Yep. But that was pretty much my biggest surprise of the uh, last week of the regular season, just having the uh, Packers, who are god-tier at Lambeau Field, just get blanked by the Detroit Lions with Matthew Stafford of all. Uh, quarterbacks but then again when you look at his record the Packers were having a losing season so you know he was going to beat them anyway yeah right I was literally yeah. about to say that same yeah. thing <laughs> he only Another... beats teams when they're below 500 oh yeah that, that's ridiculous but another one was I, I really like this game because it kept you invested and it was the Browns and the Ravens that yeah. one kept you invested that whole time and just oh, watching yeah. them go back and forth from Heinz Field to uh, Baltimore's game, just yeah. seeing the Steelers go, I can't believe I'm rooting for Baker Mayfield and the Browns to win. Right. And yeah, I know. And the minute Baker Mayfield threw that last throw that was uh, intercepted, you could just tell that the Browns fans were like, "This, I guess I should have expected this. I should have expected the Browns to lose this when we needed them to win the most. But that one, through and through, by far, was the best game up to that point until Sunday night with the Colts and the Titans. Right. Yeah. I, as I'm sure Derek will get into late, like right up next. Yeah. That game. And I'll explain more in the Colts recap and all that. But from what I saw briefly is that time management is the biggest help the Colts have. They make yeah. sure that the clock kills you, not them. So I'll let Derek explain more into that right now. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of really good games uh, that I saw. I mean, from what I saw from the Bills, I mean, I know that we're talking about the Bills, for goodness sake, 6-10. and 10, But, I mean, you got to admit, the future for the Bills actually does seem kind of bright. I mean, we all kind of had our questions on 
whether or not Josh Allen was really going to be the answer. And I think we can all agree he's he's played up to pretty decent standard. Not too great, but he's played up to a decent standard. Josh already explained enough of the Lions. And I'm kind of embarrassed to, uh, that I picked the Jets to upset the <laughs> Patriots. I kind of – I guess I should have listened to Toby. But, yeah, and then obviously the Saints lost. Uh, Toby will do a really quick brief on that yeah. one. It's not like we – really didn't anticipate something like that happening. So there's not a whole lot to talk about there, but um, yeah, I mean, other than that, a couple of really interesting ones. I'm the bears beating the Vikings. I guess I couldn't, I did say that was going to happen that the Vikings were going to lose this game and get dropped out of the playoffs. And then Steelers barely hanging on. And obviously their playoff hopes held were held into the Browns hands. And that came up just short. But I mean, other than uh, other than those, uh, obviously, I want to talk about the Colts game a little bit before I get into the actual uh, Colts recap. That game, it it was a lot closer than it should have been. I mean, my my brother and I were watching that whole thing, and but I mean, in the end, it's kind of funny because I'll get more into it later. But I just realized this after the game. Derrick Henry with his 90 yards. The Colts are the only team in the NFL this season that have not allowed a 100-yard rusher in any game this year. The I know, that's astounding. That's astounding. I think three years ago when Andrew Luck was in his prime, just coming off that one kidney injury, he the, our defense, I think, was at the was a bottom five in rush defense. Bottom five. And then this year, we're now a top 10 overall defense, both in passing and in rushing. The only defense to have that same kind of uh, pedigree is the Chargers defense, which is absolutely insane. But um, again, I'll talk more about the Colts game here soon. But man, that game was really fun. And this week wasn't really filled with a whole bunch of surprises. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean, last week we talked about uh, the playoff picture, both the NFC and AFC. And we all said, especially in the AFC, there are a lot of moving parts still in the playoff picture for one week to be decided. And in the end, uh, in the AFC, nothing changed. And in the NFC, only the Eagles got in instead of the Vikings. So nothing really much happened in week 17 that had major playoff implications. So, uh, of course, there were a couple of games that you still had to watch there. Like you guys already said, of course, the Baltimore uh, game and the Steelers game. Uh, I mean, I love the scenes at the end of a regular season when the fans, a packed stadium is still sitting there, the game there is over, the players, in this case the Steelers, are sitting on the field and looking up on the Jumbotron to kind of see, can the team that we're rooting for the Browns here beat the Baltimore Ravens. That's the scenes for me that are, Mm -hmm. that are making football more interesting to the fans. And it is just, I mean, last year we had the same with the bills that we're celebrating, uh, that picked by the Bengals to get into the playoffs and this year. Okay. The Steelers couldn't celebrate, but still the same. And for me, that's the scene that, always kind of shows how passionate 
still the fans and the players are about the sport that they don't even go back to the locker room but still watch it on the field with the fans in the stadium and that's the awesome part for me about football that players still do this and yeah like i said don't do it in, down somewhere in the locker room alone but still enjoy it with the fans mm -hmm. but yeah you guys already talked a little bit about it there was still a game between the colts and the tennessee titans derek you already mentioned a couple of things there and josh kind of uh already threw it over to you there so let's start yeah. off there with you derek with the indianapolis colts all right well the team that was ranked number 32 going into this season, the worst in the NFL, after the first six weeks of the entire season went one and five, and then finished winning nine of their last 10 games to make a playoff spot is one of the most amazing stories of the entire season. I think other than the Browns having finally gotten a good, good season under their belt. I think this is the next best one. And there's a couple of things I actually want to like mention for individual awards in this segment, rather than the, just about the Titans game. And, uh, and I'll discuss the game first though, that first half, it's amazing to think that the score was only 17 to seven going into halftime when, or it was 17, 10 going into halftime when the Colts had basically given Tennessee uh, the opportunity to be in that game. Tennessee didn't earn their points in that first half. It was the Colts giving them the, those points. Andrew Luck threw an interception on the second drive of the game and then comes back, learns from his mistakes, and ends up throwing a great, uh, putting a great drive together. Marlon Mack uh, fumbled the football and ended up that ended up getting returned for a fumble return for a touchdown. I mean, it was just amazing the swing of that game, the momentum of that game was in favor of the Colts the entire game. If it wasn't for that those few small mental mistakes on the offensive side of the ball that got to them. And I mean, to be completely honest, uh Derrick Henry started getting going in that second half. Uh, the first drive, I think he, I think that first drive he, uh, of the second half, he put together like 44 yards of rushing on that drive. And I was, I, I was getting nervous. I was like, oh shoot, this is exactly what the Colts did not need. And this is exactly what we couldn't let happen. But sure enough, again, the Colts defense held together. It bent, but it did not break. And that's an amazing thing to think of going into the playoffs because this is exactly what the Colts needed because in years past, the Colts have had nothing but offense. They've had no defense. They, they honestly look like the chiefs. They had all offense, but no defense to back them up. Now the Colts have an offense and actually have a relatively good defense, which is actually pretty cool. So, and then I'll get into the individual uh, awards now that I think should happen. I doubt this will happen, but I think this should happen. We all agree Andrew Luck should win Comeback Player of the Year. That's a, a given. We've said that ever since uh, the season started. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that Defensive Rookie of the Year, Darius Leonard, we've all pretty much uh, 
earned the fact or told the fact that Darius should win it. Coach of the year should be Frank Reich. After what he's done to change the attitude in this locker room, whereas a couple in years past, uh, games like what happened with the Giants, for example, being down 14 nothing early and then saying, we're just going to cave in. Our season's over. This is just not going to happen. The attitude shifted now to we're not going to think like that anymore. We are 0-0. Zero and zero. Every week is a chance to be 1-0. and oh. We're going to fight for something more than just ourselves here. This is to redo the culture that is in this locker room. Not only has he changed the culture, look at what he's done in his first year. A first-year head coach didn't know if he was going to get Andrew Luck back. Andrew Luck was a shell of himself for the first couple weeks of the season, still had to get better, and then completely changed this team. And then that leads me to my next point. The executive of the year needs to be Chris Ballard. I'm sorry, it has to be. Do you know that in all of the 11 picks that he got in this year's draft, all of them have made the active roster, and I believe all but like one or two of them have actively actively played a role in this year's season. Like, this is amazing what he's done. He's drafted two kids, two 21, 22-year-olds, Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard, who both just earned first-team All-Pro honors. That's the first time since 1965 where a pair of, uh, of Bears uh, rookie teammates did this. This is the first time in 50-plus years that a group of rookie teammates made first-team All-Pro. It doesn't happen because you don't get that kind of that kind of talent all together in the same exact season. Darius Leonard starts. Quentin Nelson starts. Braden Smith starts. Tyquan Lewis starts. Uh, uh, Turry, the other defensive end we picked up, he, he played an active role. I mean, I could keep going on and on about these picks, Again, it's just every single executive role. Chris Ballard was, and Chris Ballard still has people saying he should be fired, even in our own fan base. And I don't completely don't understand it. It's like he, in two years, in the, in the five years Ryan Grigson was with the Colts, okay? Everyone who loves Ryan Grigson somehow, some way, he's never picked a guy that's gone on to be a first-team all-pro caliber player. In two years? Uh, Ballard already has two of them, and he had them both in this same season. I mean, it's just amazing what the Colts have been able to do so far, and the season's not over yet. I mean, I don't know what's in store for the Colts the rest of the way. Uh, I really hope that, you know, we continue to keep doing what we're doing. But if if our season ends tomorrow somehow, some way, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to say, man, it was a lot of fun being an Indianapolis Colts fan this Josh, what do you got? All right, so I'll try to keep mine short and sweet and to the point. So uh, from what I saw in the game, and I was watching this with my dad the whole time, uh, we both came to the conclusion that if they can have a scoring drive in which they can go 96 yards and 12 plays and have the ball for about 10 minutes, yeah, like 10 or 11 minutes, I should say, Mm -hmm. they're going to definitely go far in the playoffs because they can – they. You know, as long as they score, they're fine. But they're also going to have the clock be an ally to them instead of an enemy. Because throughout that whole time, in the first quarter alone, I believe that the Colts had the ball for 
12 minutes while the uh, Titans had the ball for three minutes. Yes, that is that is accurate. Yeah. And if they keep dictating the tempo of the game, slowing, forcing a fast team which relies on the running game to slow down, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to just dominate their way through this because if they can slow down the Chiefs, if they get that far, they're going to beat the Chiefs. Yeah. It's it's yeah. that simple. And I love this defense. I have n- never seen a defense that looked like this so far. I think the closest one I can remember is the 2009 defense, back when they made it all the way to the Super Bowl right. and uh, lost to uh, Toby Saints over there. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so Andrew Luck is playing at another level. I mean, when I saw him throw that pick, I, I looked at my dad. I looked him straight in the eyes. I said, he's not going to let that happen again. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it never happened again. Yep. And I also saw it too on that second play where he's like in the pocket. He's like frustrated and he just chucks it up. I'm like, there's a defensive player right there. Sure enough, there was one. But mm-hmm. I mean, the running game is looking fine. Everything is clicking right now. So I'm going to end it on this quote by Thanos of all people. Perfectly balanced as all things should be. That's what the Colts are. And if they stay perfectly balanced on both offense and defense like they are, we're going to be going to the Super Bowl. Toby, how are the Saints doing? Well, I got to be honest. There's nothing much to talk about uh, in last (laughs) week's game. Yeah, Yeah. not a whole lot. But, yeah, I mean, there are a couple of – people that call themselves Saints fans that kind of are not pleased with the team, how they played and don't like the result of the game. But I'm the polar opposite of it. I actually, I've never loved seeing the Saints lose by 20 points, especially to the Panthers more than last week. (laughs) And there is one reason behind it. Before the game, I said, I want to, there are two results that I'm pleased with in this game. Either the backups win against the Panthers and they go in with the mentality that even the backups can beat a good team with their starters in uh, in the NFL. Or they finally get one of these games where they get completely blown out by a team. Because this year the only two losses so uh, were before the Panthers game for the Saints were against Tampa Bay and the Cowboys. Both of these games were decided by three points. So the Saints never really had a game where they had to face an opponent where they were out of the game, where they couldn't, where they didn't have a chance at any point in the game that they could come back anymore. So it was, I think, a good experience, especially for the young guys, that they finally had a game in the NFL where they saw, okay, that's how we're playing when we're further behind than maybe 10 points. Right. And it kind of puts a chip on your shoulder for the playoffs. And I think it was Cameron Jordan in his post-game interview who said, now is where it shows how people deal with the chip on their shoulders and they have to perform in the playoffs. So it's more of a boost for the Saints that they actually lost in that game. Uh, right. And not have a another close game that maybe was decided by three points or so. But, yeah, one thing that had me really worried in this game, though, 
was in the first quarter when they still had a bunch of starters, especially on defense. I think they started off with uh, the entire starters on defense, which kind of surprised me, but you could see that they played with a mentality where they were just, okay, just don't get injured. It doesn't matter how you perform, just don't get an injury. But yeah, um, I think it was in the first five minutes. First in the offensive line, Andrews Pete goes down. Then in the defense, Sheldon Rankins goes down. Then Demario Davis goes down. And I was sitting there, why are you still playing the starters? You have three starters down right now who are on the sideline, who went to the tent and got looked at for an injury, which are three major starters for the Saints. I mean, Sheldon Rankins is one of the main guys for the pass rush right now this season for the Saints. Demario Davis is a monster for uh, the run stop as middle linebacker. Andrew Speed is one of the most important parts of the offensive line to protect Drew Brees. And he was actually the only starter for the Saints that started for the offensive line starters. All other four starters in the offensive line were inactive for the game. And of course, the only starter that starts in the line gets hurt. He came back later, so he's okay, but still, for the first quarter, it was kind of like, okay, why are you doing this? Why are you playing the starters? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, they all came back. It's looking good that they can play for the playoffs, but it was kind of iffy for me with the choice to let these guys play. And, yeah, one more thing that I want to touch on with the Saints. A lot of people didn't see the performance of Teddy Bridgewater in the game that he actually brought on in the game. Because a lot of people argue, look at the last game when Teddy Bridgewater started for the Saints to say, okay, Drew Brees deserves the MVP award. I'm not saying that Drew Brees doesn't deserve the MVP award. For me, he still is the clear favorite for MVP over Patrick Mahomes. But still, they are belittling the performance of Teddy Bridgewater in there. Like I said, they only had one starter at the beginning of the game in there at the offensive line. And you saw in the past games against the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Carolina Panthers in the first game in week 15, how well underperforming the offensive line is in one or two guys uh, on the offensive line for the starters is out of the game. And now Teddy Bridgewater all of a sudden gets his first start in, what, two years after knee injury. And he has four guys off the bench in there. And now he should all of a sudden perform like a starting quarterback who is playing behind a non-starting offensive line. And then Andrew Speed goes out and all of a sudden there is no starter left in the offensive line. And for me... Teddy Bridgewater looked pretty good. I'm curious to see what he can do in the offseason, where he lands on which team he will play. For me, he showed a performance that is worthy of a starting spot in the NFL, but it just bugs me that a lot of people don't see the performance that he actually showed, so I just yeah. want to mention that here. Yeah, and like, and the funny thing is is that you mentioned that, and it's like that's an unfair comparison to say, oh, Drew Brees should deserve the MVP because his backup quarterback comes in, gets practically blown yeah. out because he has half of his starters on offense literally doing nothing. It's like that's literally saying 
Andrew Luck, go out there or come off the field. Jacoby Brissett, go on there with half of our offensive line gone and saying, oh, that shows Andrew Luck doesn't should get the MVP. Listen, if we did that for every starting quarterback in the NFL, there's a lot of guys that yeah. you could say should deserve MVP. So it's like it, it's 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 certain fans on every fan base has these just certain fans that you just can't they don't understand the circumstance. Like, yeah, the Saints were not going out there to win that game. They weren't. They were basically going out there, get some other guys some reps yeah. and get some practice in. That's basically a practice game because whether they win or lose, they were still going to get the first seed. So it's like it, yeah. it's an unfair comparison. Yeah, and the comparison for Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Brees, it's not only the fans. There is also guys in the mainstream media from NFL Network, Fox Sports, all the different stations out there that are saying, okay, look at that game and you can see how much Drew Brees is really matter. Does really matter for the saints for the saints game. If that's uh, a game. That's a game for this. If you're anyone and you look at it, you say, you just throw that game out the window. Cause it's literally, it's literally a meaningless game. It really yeah, is. It's a it, meaningless it really, game. It really is, and to end things off, I just want to say congrats to Drew Brees for breaking his own record for a completion percentage for a season yet again. Oh, yeah. What did he finish with? I think 77% or something around that. Holy crap, man. So, I was going to say, he finished with 72. Like That's amazing hmm. that he does that. I think his last record was 74 or something, and now he has 77. So, hey, Toby. Toby. What does a circle and that Saints last game have in common? They're both pointless. That's <laughs> that's your joke of the segment. That's your yeah. joke. Yeah. <laughs> All, right, All right. So now I think we want to get to the news around the NFL, Toby. Lead us off here. Yeah, we got the news around the NFL. Like I said, after week 17, after the regular season, there are more stories than between week 16 and week 17. And we got them. First of all, a lot of coaches are out of a job. And especially at uh, the head coaches of eight teams were fired after week 17. And I'm going to read the teams off that are in search for a head coach right now. First off are the Cincinnati Bengals, the Denver Broncos, the Cleveland Browns, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Arizona Cardinals, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, and the Green Bay Packers. All have a vacant head coaching job right now. Like I already said in a couple of podcasts, this offseason is going to be a fun one for head coaching jobs. Oh, yeah. And I mean, there are not that many coaches around that are ready for a head coaching job in the NFL. And I mean, McDaniels is thrown around for most of these head coaching jobs and I mean, you guys have your own experience with Josh McDaniels, so he'll leave you. He'll leave you. He'll he'll say he's going out for cigarettes and never come back. He'll leave you. <laughs> who uh, who is your guys' a number one prospect for any not not any head coaching stop uh, uh, spot in particular, but who is your favorite coach that might be a head coach for one of these teams next season? Josh, you want me to start or do you want to? All right, I'll start out. I'll do the Browns for this one because I think they're most likely to find a good hire. 
Yeah. So there's there's about three I'm thinking here. One would be Mike McCarthy. And as much as some people might not like to hear it, I think that he'd be a fairly decent pick. I mean, he'd be a nice placeholder till you find another one. Uh, another one would be uh, possibly Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. I, I know that's probably asking a lot. and I think uh, they... No, that one's not going to happen. Yeah. Lincoln Riley just signed a contract extension with Oklahoma. Okay, never mind then. Scratch that. I didn't say Lincoln Riley. I meant uh, Marvin Lewis. I mean, oh, gosh. <laughs> Browns and Bengals are trading head coaches. We knew it was coming. Yeah, oh, yeah. And the third one, I think, would be Jim Harbaugh. But then again, that one's always up in the air. I think Jim Harbaugh would be a good pickup, though. I, I just, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, I think so. he can really bring the fire. And I think that's what the Browns are missing. Just like how Frank Wright ignited like a fire in the Colts because they've been dormant pretty much since Peyton Manning left. And uh, I think that he'd be a pretty good pick because he his temper matches that of Baker Mayfield, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think he'd be the right pickup for them. So that's my say on the Browns and their coaches. I know Lincoln Riley just signed that extension, but McCarthy and Harbaugh are pretty good one because you can get the jim harbaugh versus john harbaugh matchup in the afc north yeah yeah um well i think that there's yeah i mean i honestly agree with you josh that the of all those teams that are searching for a head coach right now it's kind of funny to say the browns are the most interesting uh team to want to be a head coach for right now i mean because we obviously saw that towards the end of the season they did very well uh compared to the rest of these teams, they actually performed very well at the end of the season and actually give, you know, some hope with the roster that they have. Um, well, obviously the Browns have said numerous candidates that they're thinking about interviewing. Uh, they were going to interview Greg Williams. They were going to interview the OC for the Browns. They were also going to, once the playoffs are over, uh, Matt Eberflus and the OC for the Colts both the OC and the DC for the Colts are going to be interviewed for head coaching jobs at the end of this season. Rightfully so because of how amazing they've looked uh, this season and how Matt Eberflus has done an amazing job with uh, that Colts defense. Uh, so hopefully they don't leave, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do because the Browns are definitely hunting them. Uh a couple of these ones kind of caught me off surprise. You know, I mean, I know Arizona had their struggles this year. I didn't imagine they were going to fire their coach after just one season. Yeah. I didn't uh, like that at all. That one Yeah, was... I didn't really like it either. You were Man. you were struggling. You had yeah. you had a, a rookie QB in a situation where it just wasn't going to happen. It just seems a little premature to do that. And then yeah, uh, yeah and then Adam Gase being fired, I can understand why that one happened. From what I hear, a lot of people on the team didn't necessarily like him as a person, so that makes sense. And then obviously, the big one that we all wanted to talk about was Marvin Lewis finally being fired after 16 long, painful seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals. Mediocre. And, yes, yeah. and the amazing thing is, is to get on Twitter and see that somebody interviewed him asking him if he truly believed Hugh Jackson is worth B 
being interviewed by Cincinnati for the head coaching job. And he he sat up there and said with a straight face that Hugh Jackson is qualified enough for that position. That man sat up there and said that about Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson, of all people, the worst coach that has ever been in the history of the NFL, couldn't get the Browns to more than three wins in three seasons, is going to say he's qualified, more than qualified for this position. Keep in yeah. mind, if you're the if you're the Browns, you want them to hire Hugh Jackson as the head coach. Yeah, that way they can like feel the pain on. that you yeah. went through. Yeah, I mean, like, and and the funny thing is, is like, I mean, the Jets, the Jets position could be uh, questionable. I mean, that one's a that one's got some potential for a good uh, landing spot. I I don't think that the Dolphins and the Packers and all these other places are great landing spots right now, but if Again, if there's any coach that wants to go somewhere and wants to make a name for themselves, the the Cleveland Browns right now are the ones to do it. And the and Cleveland Browns are the are the one team that's looking for a head coach right now that actually needs one and actually shows some potential. Yeah, yeah. really, really quick before you start, Toby, yeah, sure. I was just gonna say that I think that Adam Gase would be a good pickup for the Packers. I don't know why I like Adam Gase. I know that. He had mediocrity from the Miami Dolphins, but back when I believe he was with the Bears. Yeah, he was the Bears head coach. Yeah, or not head coach or or offensive coordinator. Yeah, if he can make Jake Cutler look pretty decent, I think he can help out the uh, Packers' offensive line. But and uh, there are many other problems on like the side of the ball. But uh, go ahead, Toby. That's just my last final little piece. Yeah, um, I mean. Josh, I got to agree with you there. Uh, I think I said it in, it was either our first or second podcast where we already talked about uh, who the Browns head coach should be next year. And I brought up Jim Harbaugh back then. And I think he's still the best option for them. And I think it's a real possibility now that Michigan didn't get into the playoffs yet again. So he he didn't really bring that huge leap that everybody wanted to he he brought them to a higher level but i don't think that jim harbaugh has that much of a future in michigan anymore so i believe it would be a good step for him and an even better step for the browns to get him as the head coach there i don't know mm-hmm. how you feel about that josh but you already said it that you like it as yeah. well as a michigan fan as well so um but yeah um and to Derek, who said that Hugh Jackson is a candidate for uh, the Bengals. We've already talked about this for the last couple of weeks, that the rumor is out there. And just today, I read that even the Broncos are interested in Hugh Jackson. So... Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> John Elway. Uh, uh, if he uh, hires Hugh Jackson, John Elway... His reputation is about to get tarnished. Yeah, uh, uh, apparently somehow there is a market out there for Hugh Jackson, the guy that went thirty-one, uh, that had thirty-one losses in two seasons. So um, that just shows you how desperate the NFL is for head coaches right now. 
but I have one more name that doesn't really come up in any news reports, in any shows or nothing. Nobody really mentions him. And I I don't want to see him gone from the Saints, but it's Dennis Elm, the defensive coordinator for the Saints right now. He has had coaching experience. He was the head coach for Oakland for a couple of years. And so it wouldn't make sense that he gets another shot in head coaching because he didn't do too bad in Oakland, to be honest. So yeah. he definitely did better than Hugh Jackson with the Browns. Yeah, he would yeah. be. Yeah. So I think just about anybody would be better than Hugh Jackson. I mean, you could yeah. put any of us out. You could put any of us out there right now. We <laughs> win more games than uh, what than what Hugh Jackson would. So you just gotta get to three. That's all it takes. Yeah, you just gotta get to two. Two. That's all <laughs> it takes. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you know what? There's also one more name. I'm surprised hasn't been floating around more often. You know, and that's Jim Caldwell. You know, the former Lions head coach and Colts yeah. head coach. I mean, he does pretty yeah. good job. I mean, it's not like, yeah. you know, you're always in for a decent season. You know, you're going to at least reach eight and eight sometimes. Could see him so, going to the Cardinals. I could see yeah, that as a potential. I could see him going to the Cardinals or the uh, Jets. I, yeah, I'd like I him with the Jets. It. Yeah, he, he yeah. would be kind of good match with the Jets right now. You're right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean... Yeah, there there are a lot of head coaching jobs to be filled, so there is a chance and, for everybody right now. And Tampa Bay, I just read a report. They said there was no timetable for them on who they would hire, when they would hire, but reports are coming out. They have a candidate already in mind and that they could potentially have their new head coach within the next two weeks, from what I hear. So they're they're already jumping the gun pretty quickly on who Yeah, and which would mean it's not – a, a coordinator or a coach on any playoff team in the NFL right now. Right. But, yeah, that's the first topic uh, around the NFL right now. And the second one, of course, uh, I think everybody has heard about that uh, yet. So it's, of course, Antonio Brown has asked the Steelers to be traded. Uh, the first report uh, I believe it was week 15 or 16 of the season uh, of a beef between Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown surfaced in the locker room, which kind of, yeah, was a poison in the locker room at the end of the season. Antonio Brown didn't re- uh, play in the last game of the season, which was huge for Juju Smith-Schuster, but didn't really help the Steelers at all. And, yeah, now he asked them to be traded. There is only a couple of problems for the Steelers. I have the numbers right here. And if the Steelers would trade Antonio Brown, the cap hit for the Steelers in case of a trade still is $21,120,000 in 2019. For the Steelers who wouldn't have Antonio Brown on their roster, which would account for 8 to 10% of the total cap space in basically dead money for one player. The other scenario is that they keep Antonio Brown on their roster and the cap hit would be $22,165,000, so there's only $1 million difference between having Antonio Brown on your roster or not for the Steelers for next year. Uh, the second major problem for the Steelers is 
that they basically have to trade Antonio Brown before the uh, March 17th and they can't trade him before March 13th uh, before the new league season, uh, the le- new league year begins. So they have a window of five days to trade Antonio Brown because if they trade him after or on March 17th, the roster bonuses on his contract already kick in, which would put up the numbers for the Steelers even more. So, of course, there are a lot of teams interested in a player like Antonio Brown, even if he is already 31 years old, but he's still an all-pro athlete or wide receiver, one of the best there is. But the question for you guys is, first off, does it make sense for the Steelers in that scenario to trade Antonio Brown or to try to convince him to stay on the team to kind of form a scenario like with Le'Veon Bell this year? And if they decide to trade him, which team would you think would trade for Antonio Brown and which team would you like to see him on? I mean, I know which team you would like to see him on, I guess. So, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to say something, Toby. I do not want Antonio Brown. I do not, as a Colts fan, want Antonio Brown. Because, look, it is a similar type situation to what Le'Veon Bell is. Oh, the only difference is Le'Veon Bell didn't have an issue with teammates. He had an issue with That was the only issue is he felt he wasn't being respected enough and wasn't actually getting taken care of when it comes to these particular things. The issue that you have with Antonio Brown is is that this is not a re- this is not a one time issue here. This has been a recurring theme for many many years that has been tolerated by Mike Tomlin and the Steelers organization, and it is now blown up in their faces. And now they have a tough decision to make. And to be completely honest, this shouldn't be a tough decision. Put money aside for a second. Yeah, put money aside for a second. If the parents of a kid and this kid has been throwing temper tantrums for a long period of time, it's time for him to start growing up. And, you know, he's having beef with with a friend or a brother or whatever. When do you finally step in and say that's enough? I mean, because ultimately this is what we're talking about here. We don't question that the Steelers have enough talent to get to where they want to go. We think that the Steelers have enough talent. They could be a playoff-worthy team. Their issue is, is this has been a reoccurring theme. Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and all these players are not getting along with each other. They got so big of egos, and it's swollen up into this one giant bubble that now all of a sudden everything just pops all at once. Antonio Brown wants out. Le'Veon Bell's going to be out. Le'Veon Bell already says he wants to go to the Colts, and I know the Colts will definitely give him an interview. My only concern is is I don't want the Colts to get Antonio Brown because Antonio Brown has just as big, if not bigger, of an ego than Le'Veon Bell does. And to be completely honest, I don't really think that that Antonio Brown really cares too much about winning at this point. I really don't. And, and I think because Le'Veon Bell cares about winning because he says he wants to go somewhere that's a playoff contender because he wants to make money but also win at the same time. And But with Antonio, it's always been about, it's always been about me, me, me. It's never been about the team 
for when it comes to the Steelers and, and Antonio. And I mean, here's the thing. He's, he's kind of like Jalen Ramsey. It's a, it's a cancer in the whatever locker room you put him in. Now, can the, uh, can the locker room and the culture around like the Colts or any other team that decides to pick him up, will it actually change his attitude? Because we already know, we all know he's a top three receiver in this league, even at 31 years old. He's got another solid few years left in him as long as he stays healthy. He's going to give you just as much production as anyone else in the league. Just the only issue is, is that what does he do for your team uh, outside of the field? And what does he do for your team morale? He has been a huge detriment to the to the Steelers these last few years has really hurt their organization as a representation of everyone around them. I mean, it's just kind of a sense of forget about the money here. If you're the Steelers, you do need to, you do need to get rid of Antonio Brown. You do it's forget the money for a little bit here. Money is not everything in this business. You have to sometimes make a decision that says we're not going to tolerate any of the the childish nonsense anymore we're not going to deal with it anymore money is no object here or first question no nobody should the the Steelers should let go of him and the second question whoever wants to go for him anyone who seems to think that his ego is not as much of an issue and they think they can actually change it now I can kind of see both sides, you know, like, yeah, I don't want him because I don't want that extra baggage. But on the other side, I could see, you know, he's a pretty good talent. I know what that he, like I said, he brings the baggage with him. But if you just get him in there and you just shut him up and throw him the ball, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, he's actually a nice, I guess, person to be around. But I think it all just stems from Big Ben himself, Mr. I pass the blame on everybody and throw everybody under the bus yeah. but myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, in all honesty, if the Steelers want to keep Brown, you either got to trade Roethlisberger or force him to retire. Now, I mean, that's impossible. You can't force somebody to retire. They have to retire on their own accord, you know. But I think it's more of Big Ben just being a big – bully i guess you know mm-hmm. just dictating the atmosphere and forcing antonio brown to you know just get out there and play and don't say anything and i'll throw you the ball when i really want to throw you the ball and that leads me into the other part of uh if a team was willing to trade for him um i i told derek this and this is what my dad told me so toby it's gonna be the first time you hear it and for our audience he said that if I'm the Colts, what I would do in this situation, if you really wanted to, was to trade T.Y. and Marlon Mack for Antonio Brown and then in the offseason sign Le'Veon Bell. Now, uh, he goes, like, that's a long shot, and I don't think that the Colts are going to do it because T.Y. and Luck have some very great chemistry together, and you don't want to just exactly. throw in somebody new. And Marlon Mack is up and coming. But, I mean, I'm still open to Le'Veon coming over to the Indianapolis. But – yeah, that's the only way I can see the Colts getting Antonio Brown. But uh, 
if the Giants can cope with Odell, I think any other team could cope with Antonio Brown. So they're pretty much the same, I guess, like the same personality type of uh, sometimes letting their egos get the best of them. But when they can really play, they play. And their talent probably outweighs their personality. So I think it's just more of uh, Big Ben just being Big Ben and not bending to any other person. Yeah, um, I see it the exact same way as Josh. Uh, I see the problem with Big Ben in Pittsburgh, to be honest. But for me, it is kind of next year, Le'Veon Bell will be gone. Okay, they didn't have him this year. But now, probably Antonio Brown will also be gone. Okay, who is left there? You got Juju Smith-Schuster. You got James Conner, two young running, uh, two young players, running back and wide receiver. You don't have that many veterans on that team anymore. So for me, it will kind of make sense when you're already moving away from Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, that in the same step you would also move away from Big Ben and get your next guy in there to kind of rebuild your team now to don't have that kind of valley that when you usually rebuild your team that you kind of can still get the ups from having the young guys in there to rebuild your team in, in that process as well. So for me, it would make sense to kind of do the complete overhaul, the usually three Bs, like everybody says, Brown, Bell, and Big Ben in Pittsburgh, get rid of them all, spread them out across the league, but, yeah, for the question, which team that Antonio Brown should go to, I have one team that I kind of think would be kind of the ideal scenario because, first off, the team needs a clear wide receiver and a star player, and Antonio Brown would be the only star player, basically, on the team for now, and that's the New York Jets. New York. Uh, I actually thought you were going to say Raiders. No, I don't know with the Raiders. You you already got Marshawn Lynch in there, so yeah, I don't I don't know the the two don't fit really. Out. I think. Yeah, but he was willing to let go of Amari Cooper. I mean, it, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. But yeah, with the Jets, I feel with uh, Sam Darnold and the young quarterback to kind of give him the the top receiver that Antonio Brown is to give him that one target that he can be sure of if you get the ball anywhere near him, he can bring the ball down to build up Sam Darnold's confidence in New York that it would be the right move for the Jets and Antonio Brown for him to boost his stats. Uh, he can have the biggest ego on that team he wants to because he will be the best player on that team by a long shot so for me the Jets they have the the cap space to give him a big contract still but I don't think he's gonna move down from his contract that he has with the Steelers anyway uh, in that trade so uh, I think he's still got two more years or three more years on that contract so he basically will be 34 when that contract ends Nobody knows what he's going to do then. So for now, he needs a team that can pl uh, pay him $20 million a year, basically. Yeah. 
Yep. But yeah, that's the news around the NFL. And now we have some news for the podcast. Something for ourselves. And of course, for the guys that have already been watching for longer than a couple of weeks, know that we always do predictions for each week. And now we have the results for the regular season. And first off, sorry, Josh, you didn't make it. You're in third this year with a record of 81 and 47. Still better record than Hugh Jackson. Anyway, that's true. Uh, At least a winning record. Yeah. You know, you know, before you go on to your guys's, I just like to say to everybody listening, dare to dream, even though it comes in failure. I want you to root for the Jaguars against the Texans. I want you to root for the Jets against the Patriots. I want you to root for the Lions against the Vikings. I want you to root for the Broncos against the Chargers. Don't listen to these guys. (laughs) Listen to yourself out there. You can do it. Although I failed this time, there's always next year. There's always next year. Listen to yourselves and Josh if you want to end up in third place. Hey, hey, bronze is is more accessible. It was called the Bronze Age for a reason because it was that important. So I am important in this situation. All right, Toby. We're on to All right. Yeah, we're moving on. Well... We have a tie for first. Derek and I, we both tied. Derek made up two games in week 17 where I had, yeah, a couple of picks in there that were uh, kind of risky. So we both finished with a a record of 83 and 45. So congrats, Derek. Yep, congrats to you, Toby. Congrats to you. Thank you so much. It, it was great playing with you guys, and of course we're gonna continue this with the uh, with the post seasons because Derek and I have to decide who's the real winner here. Yep, I could make a nice comeback. <laughs> you just gotta let me. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. We'll right. see about that. I but, swear, if I come back in the playoffs for some reason, <laughs> I don't know how it would happen. Somehow, some way, somehow you yeah. have to pick. You have to pick teams that are different than ours. Yeah, it's not going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to these playoff predictions here. Yeah, we got the playoffs now. We got the matchups. The first game this week, the Indianapolis Colts are at the Houston Texans. Well, it's basically your team's game. So uh, let's hear what you guys have to say about this game. Uh, well, again, we'll try to make these brief and simple as we normally try to do. I think that the Colts have enough experience under their belt now. I don't think that this stage is really going to affect them, uh, even in Texas. I mean, T.Y. Hilton always seems to burn the Texans secondary every time he plays them. And to my knowledge, he's still going to be playing. And we are getting Ryan Kelly and Clayton Gathers back, which are two very good additions back. Uh, I will take the Colts this week, and they will move on to face the New England Patriots in the divisional playoff. You know, I'm going to take the Colts on this one because, well, I'm a Colts fan, and they split the season, each winning at each other's own home field. And only by, what, three? Each time is only by three, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Both were yeah. really close. And I think this time the Colts are going to take the season lead, showing that they are the rightful winners of the AFC South. We just blossomed late in the season. Next season, we're going to be number one in the AFC South. I just feel it. Give me the Colts in this game. Yeah. Um, it, it's, of course, it's a playoff game. It's going to be a great game. Uh, mm -hmm. But, yeah, I feel like right now Indianapolis is the better team of the two. So I'm also going with the Colts. I feel like at the beginning of the season, I would have gone with Houston. But how did Colts play the second half of the season? I mean, I don't think any team wants to face the Colts right now. So right. mm -hmm. even Houston with that, they are also a really balanced team. But yeah. still, yeah, the, Colts, are. the Colts are just a little bit better right now, Basically, I believe. Basically, the Colts have a better O-line right now. They, uh, they have a slightly better defense overall right now, I think, than the Texans. I mean, the Texans have a better defensive line, obviously, but uh, by a little bit. But the secondary for the Colts is getting better. The Texans secondary has not been very great this year. So I just think those those two things help the Colts tremendously yeah. in this game. Yeah, I think the key matchup in that game is that the Colts O-line has to stop JJ Watt from getting to Andrew Luck, which has which has been the case. I mean, in the in the two games that they played uh against the Colts have averaged about two sacks per game, which for the Texans it's actually kind of a little bit low when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, how about we play that Katy Perry dark horse music every time the Colts win a game? Because yeah. right now <laughs> they are the dark horse of the AFC playoffs. They're the dark horse of the whole AFC. Yeah, they could become the Eagles of last year. Could yeah. be. Could be. Because remember, when the Packers were in the same situation, they ran the tables. You know, they were yeah. the last seed in, and they ran the table all the way to win a Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah. So the next game, the second game on Saturday this week. The NFC game is between the Seattle Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys. I, I heard an interesting stat from Greg Jennings on the herd today. And it and this was another game it took me a little bit to think about, but I I swayed my argument based off this fact. Do you guys know that Pete Carroll has never lost a first round playoff game? Never. And the many, many years that he's been coaching the Seattle Seahawks has not lost a playoff game in the first round yet. And I think that this is going to be another one of those games. Look, I know it's in Dallas. I know. And I think this is going to be, this is going to be a defensive-oriented matchup. But the Seahawks, I think, know who they are. I think that when they get into the playoffs time, they know their identity. They know who they are. They know their strengths. I think Dallas is still struggling to figure themselves out on offense. And it goes back to Dak Prescott. So I'm going to take the Seahawks with the upset at AT&T Stadium on Sunday. All right. I hear you, Derek. I hear you. Just keep in mind, though, the Cowboys went 7-8 and eight with the last half of the season. All after they got Amari Cooper, though. And uh, the, the only loss coming was when they got blanked at Lucas Oil in the last part of the season. You know, I think that this is going to be the – this is one of those hard ones. 
mm-hmm. you know, because both teams are up and coming. Um, but plus yeah. you have Russell Wilson, who's been in this situation and knows what to expect. Yeah, I know. But you know what? In order to get that other victory, you know, against you guys in this whole thing, I'm going to take the Cowboys in this one. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, the game is in Dallas. Seattle kind of got a run going as well in the second half of the season, kind of like the Cowboys. The thing that worries me a little bit is that Seattle has some injury concerns on the offensive line where they don't know if they're completely healthy, if they have the complete starting lineup for uh, for Saturday. And that's one thing that you don't want to have against that front seven in Dallas if you have your backups in at offensive line. I mean, Russell Wilson is still a mobile quarterback that can get away from defenders but still it's not the best scenario for quarterback to be on the run uh, every time to be hurried every snap you have there so i i'm going with dallas in there because i started i wanted to win you beat you guys <laughs> now you choose the same team as me. don't worry there's a couple more matches. Yeah, there are more matches more yeah matches. but yeah yeah i know i know i with the front seven, I believe even if they have their starters in there, they are not going to be 100% if reports on a Friday for tomorrow's game are that they are worried if the starters can play. So for me, that's kind of the difference right now for the two teams with the front seven that Dallas has. So um, for me, it's a small margin for Dallas. But, yeah, now moving on to the Sunday games. And, well, now we got an interesting matchup between the 12-4 LA Chargers against the 10-6 Baltimore Ravens, with the Ravens being the home team in this matchup. Yeah, your guys' thoughts. You know what? I'm going to throw a curveball here. Josh, Toby... Please take it away first, and I'll bring my pick in. Well, all right, I'll, I'll go first on this one. You know, Lamar Jackson's for real. I mean, the Ravens changed their whole game plan just to keep it around this rookie sensation. And from what I saw against the Browns, it's that he can actually control the game if he, you know, remains calm and just away from pressure. And not to mention that uh, Ravens defense is top tier. And I think that this is going to be the Chargers' first time playing a true strong defense. I mean, well, not to take it. Baltimore played the Chargers a couple weeks back and pretty yeah, much week destroyed 16. them. Yeah. I think that the uh, Ravens are going to win this one. I think that they're actually going to do it and upset the 12-4 uh, and four Chargers. Um, yeah, for me, um, like Derek, I also had my difficulties picking this game and, um, yeah, I was sitting there going back and forth, looked at the stats, uh, from the game two weeks ago, which was in LA Baltimore one. And now you have the rematch in Baltimore, but, uh, 
there is one thing for me that kind of is the one thing I'm giving more to in the playoffs than the stats from a regular season game, and that's the experience. And that is just what Phillip Rivers has in the playoffs, and Lamar Jackson just does not have that experience in the NFL just yet. So, on the base of the experience standpoint, I'm going with the LA Chargers in this game. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think you guys kind of cleared some of that stuff up for me. It, this it, it's a game where literally it can go both ways. This game is so close because both of these teams are very good at what they do. I think the difference in the one game in Week 16 – I know it wasn't the only reason that the Chargers lost, but it was a big reason. When you don't have Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler playing in that game. Uh, Melvin Gordon played in that game. Did he play in that game? Yeah. I was going to say, he didn't play a whole lot, I don't think, because I thought yeah. they were kind of conserving him a little bit. But, um, but yeah, going back to a little bit of what you said, Toby, I, you're right. The playoff, The playoff experience is – something that is hard to ignore and as much as the as the Ravens defense is experienced in in these kinds of situations Lamar Jackson in this offense really isn't and I think that the Chargers will win this game by a sure grit of effort dare to dream little dude dare (laughs) to dream Oh, I like your pick, Josh. Yeah, you're really, you're really a uh, wild card yeah. person, aren't you? And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. You know, don't mind me. Well, Josh, you're either going to be beating me after this week. You're either going to be tied with me, or you're going to lose like a lot of yeah. points in this one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we're coming up to the last game on Sunday between the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. At the Chicago Bears. Well, obviously, weather really isn't too much of a concern here. Both of these teams kind of play in pretty nasty conditions a lot at the end of the year. But um, the one thing I was interested in is, like, I actually gave Philly a really good chance to win this game just because the, the sheer effort that they're playing with right now is just something that can't be measured. It's just one of those things where... It astonishes you when it happens, but it's not theoretically a great thing to base your argument off of. Um, I, I've, I've said originally, I said the Bears were one of those teams that if, you know, they get in the right circumstance, they probably could go potentially to the Super Bowl if their defense plays well. And given the amount of injuries that the Eagles still have to their roster – especially on their defensive side. I, I, I'm giving this one to the Bears just simply because I, I don't know if Philly, the Philly Miracle can keep going this long. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I think the Bears defense is just going to be too dominant. And I like Nick Foles, but it's just that his luck's got to run out eventually. And I think it's going to run out against the uh, bears in this one. So I got Chicago beating Philadelphia. Yeah. I, I don't believe that it's Nick Foles luck. That's going to run out, but the 
Nick Foles needs one thing, and that's time in the pocket. He is not that good of a quarterback when he gets rushed. And that's difficult to accomplish when you have Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks on the other side of your uh, line. So I believe just because of the pressure that the defensive line from Chicago can get on Nick Foles, I don't believe that Nick Foles can bring out his full potential and that Chicago will win this game on that. So that are our predictions for the four games this week in the wildcard round. Let's see uh, what's going on there. Josh is had some other picks than us. He's trying to get back in there. But... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it for this week yet again. Um, if you enjoyed it, please leave a like and subscribe to our uh, to my channel. Um, if you're new around here and if you haven't done it. Or if you're listening uh, to this on Spotify, give us a follow to get a new episode each week. And yeah, thank you guys Be for sure being like here again. Like and yeah. subscribe. And like also and hit that bell to get notified when a new video comes out as well on yes. YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thank subscribe you, guys. To <laughs> Josh, yeah, with the to subscribe PewDiePie. to PewDiePie. Everybody subscribe to subscribe PewDiePie. PewDiePie. But, yeah, thanks again for joining me on here on the podcast. Been a pleasure yep. as every week. And, yeah, I hope we see all of you guys next week. But until then, yeah. bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>